0: Yeah, I see a lot of them know what they're doing. Rock climbers are are dismissed. Like I always say, hey, if you're... Rock climbers is a ministry if you're just joining us for uh, children between kindergarten and sixth grade. So you can't send your wives or your husbands off to get babysat. It's just for the kids. Your kids are welcome to stay here. The asterisk disclaimer is that if... I don't care if they make noise. The worst case is I just use them in the sermon. So I really don't mind them sitting in here with you and being part of that. Glad our... Young men and women of the youth group are in here with us. Um, Thank you, praise team. All right, let's... I think that's... Yeah, give them a hand. Uh, Wow. So let's just start with a little thankfulness. Like, Lord, thank you for this room. It's not a sanctuary. It's not where you live. It's a worship room. And it was kind of boring before everyone, you brought all your people in here. And now you brought your spirit, which lives in all these temples and people's bodies in here, and now it becomes a holy place. And so we're so thankful for that, that we can come. Thank you for all the gifts. Thank you for the men and women watching the children, um, talking to them about Jesus, loving on them, playing with them. Thank you for the, the praise team, all of them using their skills, talents, gifts to lead us in and praise through songs. Thank you for the people doing the sound. Thank you for electricity and air conditioning and heat In living in Arizona where we need both of them in the same day at times, Lord. We just thank you for that. I pray, Lord, that this time would just stimulate us to be deeper and more committed worshipers of you. Holy Spirit, come. Um, do what you do. Draw us to the Lord. Convict us of where we're falling short. Fill us with your love and your presence and your power. And Jesus, as you've asked me to talk about uh, your love and the Father's love for us, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would soften hearts, tear down walls like only you can do for those of us who don't want to receive the love of the Father. I pray this, Jesus, in your power and your name. Amen. So, we are... We're on a journey here, and... uh, we're in 1 John, so grab your Bibles, 1 John chapter 3. What we have here is a letter written by John to, to believers. So I'm offering this to you under my belief that, that this is to a letter to the followers of Christ, the same back in 80 or 90 A.D. as it is in 2021. Uh, it's amazing when you go through this stuff, this, these scriptures, which are useful for instruction and correction, right? and what they call the living word, because it's still happening. You know, we've gotten fancy. we got smartphones and dumb people and all this kind of stuff. But certain things remain the same. Uh, we, we tend to act kind of similar. So it's so fascinating to go through this, uh, a letter from so long ago, and how much it applies to us. So let's, let's get started here. Let me call to attention 1 John 3. Verse 1, and, and that says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Children of God, is that... You guys heard that phrase before? Well, we're beginning chapter 3, but really, I mean, we always have to kind of remind... I'm a reminder, that's my job, right? I remind you, hopefully, what, I, what the Lord tells me to say is what I'm saying um, and everything that we do up here, hopefully it just it spurs you on and, and just motivates you, inspires you to dig deeper yourself. And so this letter here is a letter, right? So maybe I'm doing a disservice by only giving you two verses today, which is what I'm going to give you out of a letter, right? If you, if you wrote a letter home from camp, Mom, hate the food at camp, and then you ended it, you would think that camp was awful. If you read the rest of the letter, you'd find how much fun Billy was having at camp. So there's a little danger in that. Uh, In the context of this, remember we've been talking about uh, verse 29 of chapter 2 said, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. So we've been talking about rebirth, regeneration, being new, which is a message for all times because We have this way of of being born into this sinful world. Things happen to us. We make mistakes. Our hearts get hardened. They, They take on damage, and we cause damage to those people around us. And if there's not a hope of a restart, a renewal, a softening of a heart, a new birth, then there's no hope. So John continues to say, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and when and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Let me pull this out for you. Let's have a conversation a little bit about this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. I'm also giving you another translation, which I think is also helpful. It says... uh. See how great a love the Father has given to us. So who's the Father? God, okay. Cool. You guys got it. I want speak up, man. These are not hypothetical questions. I want you to help me answer this because I need your help. Um what do you think about, about uh, the love of a father? What do we think about a love of a father? Here's this picture. All right, guys, we're operating under this understanding that the things that we see in the world are often pictures of reality, shadows of what's really going on. And so we can draw from those. You know, I know there's that danger like, oh, don't, don't make it relative to your time. Well, this is the time in which God put us. And he's given us pictures all around us to help us better understand God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to help us better understand our home, Right? The new heaven, the new earth, that will be with the Father and with the Lord Jesus. So here's a metaphor. Here's a picture that we have. It's a, a child and a father is what we're going to talk about today. But, you know, praying about that, going over that, I, I needed to stop even before that. Let, let me bring this out to you, the word see. When we think of the word see, what are we, what are we tending to think about? What's that? The eyes, the eyes right? So it's like a visual observation. Is that fair? Kind of fair. When you see something, I saw it with my eyes. Uh, This word here, right, in case no one told you, these these words were not originally written in English. Even in King James English was not the original translation. So they've been translated. Uh, We have different words. Here's one of these that might look a little different. Uh, This word, see, could be used to see with our eyes. Yay, we're on the same page. It could also mean to perceive with our minds, to, to attain understanding. And also, it could refer to experiencing it with our hearts. So it's like, it's, you know, not only your, your, your physicality, um, your, your spirituality, and your heart, your feeling, the core of you, all of those are part of the seeing experience. So this is something to pay close attention to to consider deeply, to to draw on your experience from and give significant weight to. So when you see, see, stop a second and say, okay, okay, Jesus, we see, see, so now we've got to give this considerable consideration in appropriate time. So what are we supposed to see? How great a love the Father has given to us. Oh, that sermon again, right? Yeah, but let's, let's, uh, let's bring this back to a reality. I think we're going to run into a lot of things with this type of message. Wrong definitions, wrong understanding, hurt feelings, hardened hearts. See what ki- kind of love. See how great a love the Father has given to us. Well, here's one problem, right? You start talking about love, Randy, you get to that. It's all touchy-feely. So the God who loves you would never, ever, ever, ever do anything to make you sad or hurt your feelings, right? Never, ever, ever do. So the world looks around. This is, what, this is what we think. And so the world looks around and says, dang, man, like these bad things or hurtful things have happened to people and good people. And so the world is always asking this question. How in the world can God be good and loving if bad things happen to good people? How come babies die? Children die? How come we get cancer? How come marriages break up? How come, you know... Children don't get along with their parents. Parents don't get along with their children. How come there's earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes and starving in Africa? How could this be if God is so good that he's not loving the way that I expect him to love? And then then there's the other side, right, where where some people will be like, you got to get over that. It does not matter. Don't get so caught up on how much God loves you. You need to. Do the right thing. Right? Do the right thing. It's not about feelings. It's about doing the right thing. And then the other people will tell you, man, no, it's all about feelings. The law, that's dead, so I don't have to do the right things anymore. Now it's just about, hey, be who I am, and it's good. The problem with both of those views is everything written in the scripture. Okay? It's not one or the other. They're not mutually exclusive. There's a marrying of the two. Let me give you a biblical example, okay? Why this love, this kindness, this mercy of God is so important that we have to talk about it. It comes from Romans 2. Romans 2 verse 4 says this, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? I think we forget. Like, do you presume, do you take for granted, guys? If I was to speak it in my simple man's language, hey, I think we keep forgetting. I think we keep taking for granted, like, how kind God's been to us. How merciful, right? Mercy being that we didn't get harm when we deserved it. Right? Right? Yeah. Or his grace. We got a great thing when we deserved an unkind thing instead. I think we forget that. Like, if we just simply did that, I mean, anyone, come on. We've got science, which often goes against God, but in essence, it ends up proving how amazing God is. Like, if you're, a, if you're born, you're a stinking miracle, Okay? Mathematically, scientifically, a miracle that any fertilization happened, one. Two, that you didn't self-abort within three months. Three, that you made it to enough term. Four, that you were able to live outside your mom's body. Five, however many years you got, how many people you know didn't get as many years as you? There's 12-year-olds dying, and babies dying, and 20-year-olds dying, and 50-year-olds dying. There's always somebody younger than you. There's people in hospitals right now that have been in car accidents that aren't going to walk again or see again. Like, Wow, the fact that you made it in this place is awesome and kind and loving. And all of that, guys, is not to make you feel guilty, but should lead you to say, Wow, what an amazing God. I wanna go his way. That's repentance. I wanna go his way. So if I'm not getting God's love, do you see the disconnect here? If we're like, do this and don't do that, it doesn't work. You don't get out of the parking lot of the church building without it undoing itself. But when you begin to have an attitude of a worshiper, someone who gives respect, awe, and authority to a superior being, and the worship of God is giving him that, you're like, dang. Dante, I'm like, dang, man. I got three kids, and they're awesome. I've been married for 21 years, right? Like, dang, right? It's almost parade-worthy. I think around now in our days, those people that make it 40 and 50, we should have a parade, right? And like medals of honor. That's, that's who should get the medals of honor for, for putting up with each other for that long, living with the center. Like, my kids are great. They're healthy. Right? Wow. Because God was so good to me, the only thing I should be doing is like, you're amazing God, and I want to go your way. But idealism is not reality. It's not that simple. So we come together here so that we can be stimulated to remember these things. See how great the love the Father has given to us. See how great, Josh, of love the Father has given to us. You know? We can laugh laugh over round bananas. Um, We could just have fun. Man, we don't have to worry so much about everything because we have a Heavenly Father who's so... Powerful and so amazing and so loving. So if all that's true, then here's the question that I have to bring to you. Why is receiving God's love so difficult? We allow what Satan does? Uh-huh. Okay. So let me repeat that and you correct and you and you correct me if I'm not getting there. Right. wrong. You're saying ultimately what's going on is we end up falling victim to the lies of Satan that he puts in our minds. We we don't see the goodness of God. Instead, we begin to dwell on the things that seem to tell a different story than the goodness and love of God. Is that fair? Okay. Someone else? Yeah. You equate it to your earthly father, right? Right? Our expectation of God's love is often different than the reality, right, of God's love, right? The truth of it. Yeah. We make it difficult. Make it difficult. Tell me more about that. Well, you make us in his image who's redeemed us, put his spirit in us, give us everything we need. Okay. And Satan wants to think it's really hard to left God. It's not hard love, it's easy for those of you. Right? So, so he, what he said is we make it hard, and the reason why is we're created in God's image, right? He saves us, puts us our, our spirit in it, yet we still fall victim to this belief that we can't receive God's love, when the reality is he created us in such a tremendous way, right? In such a loving way. The Spirit pours his love into our hearts. Sure. Sure. Yeah, we've been surrounded. It's hard to get out of it because we've been surrounded by this idea that it's so hard to love God. And I think the other thing you guys have to understand is Jesus' coming did not eliminate every cause and effect, okay? It did not eliminate the truth that you reap what you sow, okay? Even in terms of forgiveness, forgiveness is given, forgiven, but consequence is not always uh, erased, right? So because ultimately, guys, most of the consequences... You know, if we get big brain on this, the consequences are mostly physical, the expiring, dying parts of us. So it's like, oh, yeah, like the, the physicality takes that on. And, and what God wants to do is protect your heart, protect your eternity, build up your soul, the core of you, that will live well, well beyond this body, which are aging fast, right? We can all see it, um, so if, if the flesh, if this life, if the hopes that will die in this world take on the consequence, then God's not so bad for letting that happen. I mean, it's a radical thought. But if a, if a baby dies stillborn, there's not instruction in the scripture that I know about what happens. But let's, let's assume, what if that baby gets heaven? Then wouldn't that baby be dang lucky to not walk through all this? Right? So we put our terms, oh, dang, they didn't get to go to prom. Right? I mean, not everyone goes to prom, not as important as the wedding feast of the lamb. Okay? That's better than prom. That's better than wedding. That's better than having your kids. Right? Better than dancing the macarena. Right? Like, better than all of that stuff is that. So our view is so wrong. And and so problem, Steve, what I'm saying is I get what you're saying. You're totally right. This, This like God's love is coming in, but sometimes our consequence of our sin moves us so far from God. That's what John's been telling us. Don't pretend you're in the light when you're in the darkness. God's not in the tunnel with you. He's waiting outside patiently. He didn't send anything to destroy you, but he'll let you play in the dark if you want until you finally cry out and come to him. And so we sit in the dark, where's the light, right? Come out here, Will, I'm out here. What are you doing in the mud? So then it's like, I can't experience God's love. Why else? Is it so hard? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so what she said is, and like I said, if I, if I leave it short, correct me, okay? But she said, we're so carnal. We're, we're looking for the evidence of God's love in the way that we're expecting it. Not too different in how the, the people who were here, the Jews in that, were waiting for a Messiah to deliver them from Rome. And when Jesus came and didn't offer the thing they were looking for, they assumed he wasn't the Messiah, he wasn't good, he wasn't God, he wasn't powerful. The The love that God gives us touches us in the internal part of us doesn't necessarily give us our carnal, fleshly desires. Is that fair? Yeah, well said. Why else? It's easier to believe a lie. So I'll meet with my posse, right, like this week, and one thing that we came up with in our conversation about this is I just don't feel worthy of his love Sometimes. Oh, right, it's it's that roller coaster of emotions. It's we talked about children, young adults, and parents as our spiritual development. As a child, we're 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 thrown in the wind and in the waves, right? And so that's why we love the praise and worship music because we're created for that. And so whether you like it or not, it touches a string in you. Whatever your preference is, hard rock hymns, whatever, somewhere in the middle, it touches something in your heart and gets you yeah, God. And then life carnality, circumstances, oh man, God's not even good. And so you wave this back and forth, right? So what happens is when you go down here, you're like, God must not love me now. It's hard to see that God's love, that God's love is unconditional. Yep. And that's it. So sometimes we're like, Ah oh man, really? I see that God could be happy with me if I'm doing the quote unquote God things. When I'm not doing the right God things, he's probably not happy with me. And see, the, the backside of that equation is this, that God doesn't care about those non-church things. So Christians will be like, I give God this because that's his thing. Everything else, that's up to me. And so we live this reality with a foot in both camps. Um, so, hey, Jordan, come on, come on up real quick. This is my daughter, Jordan. So thinking about God as creator, right? And before we kind of get into that type of love, I've asked her if she'd be willing to help me illustrate something. So let me start with this right here. What I hold in my hand is what we would call a scrubby. This could be used to scrub, as the clever name is, multiple things, dishes. You can use different material, and and it could be more industrial or for your vegetables or whatever. Your feet, right, your head. It could exfoliate if you have a holy haircut, such as you know some of us do. Um, so she learned to make these, and what technique? And what is the technique that you use to make these? What's that called? Crocheting. Crocheting. Uh, what's kind of cool is is this reality of of someone creating something. In office people like me, we tend to lose this. Where people that work with their hands and create things, at the end of the day, you've created something. Right you build something, you draw something, you, you make music, and there's something visible to see, and there's a beauty to that. And when you just talk a lot for your living, you don't always see that, right? So, but, so you can appreciate a creator and a creation. And so I've, I've asked Jordan to spend a little time uh, starting to make one of these. See, because the creation... If you were to look at this and to take a microscope, because she's creating this, she has skin cells, right, even on her fingers. And, and as her skin cells are dying, they shed. So if you were to look at this, there becomes uh, her fingerprints, her actual DNA, her, her cells end up becoming part of her creation. Right? You can't see it, but it's there, right? And... And so one of the things that that I think is so important, Jordan, as I'm praying about this, is God is like, yeah, me as your creator. Like, I have so much with you to get to you to where you are. And sure, there's a carnality for things you want. Sure, you've made mistakes. Sure, you haven't always done the right thing. But my love is unconditional, like you said, Randy. And studying that, this kind of came up, Jordan, that 1 John 4, 8 says this, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 1 John four sixteen says, we know how much God loves us, that, that we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in lo- love live in God, and God lives in them. So I'll let you go ahead and sit down there. So why, why I'm bringing those out to you is, let's say your argument is, man, I just don't know how God can do such awful things. I just don't know how God could love me when I've done such awful things. See, the, the reality is this. You guys love anybody in your life? Have you known them enough you can kind of guess the next thing they're going to do? Right? I knew you'd kind of react that way because it's part of your character. It's part of who you are. Something that's important missed is, is we have the fingerprints, the DNA of our creator on us. And so when we know at some level the right thing to do, right? It's put in us. But also when he's asking us to love, what he's asking us to do is to not do something separate from God, but to do the very thing that God naturally does. So when you sin against God, what's his natural reaction? To love you. When you do the right thing, before God, what's his natural reaction? To love you. When you say, I love you, God, what's his natural reaction? To love you. When you say, I hate you, God, what's his natural reaction? To love you. It's, it's what he does. Everything that comes out of him is awesome, right? He poops awesomeness, you could say. We can make a shirt, right? Everything that comes out of God is awesome. So when he corrects you, that's love, When he burned down Sodom and Gomorrah, he did that from love. When Jesus died on the cross, he did that from love. And when he cried with Mary and Martha because Lazarus died, that was love. And when he rose him from the dead, that was love. And when he bled, that was love. And when he threw over the changing tables, that was love. Like, it was all love. Like, we think in our terms, right, we put God in our human body. He's not. Everything that he does is the loving and correct thing to do. The problem is our love is wrong. Our love is wrong. And until we begin to see that God's love is different, we won't accept his love. If we won't accept his love, we won't be drawn to his way. And we won't be able to love him or others around us. It becomes foundational. See, our love, I would say it's a conditional love. Our version of love looks like this. I have a strong liking of someone or something. Like, I have this strong liking of you. I notice their value, but primarily I'm interested in how that person or thing makes me feel and what they do for me. I love coffee, right, they say. Do you really love coffee? Do you sacrifice yourself for coffee? No, you love the way it helps you wake up, and it warms your belly, right? And you, right? I heard some ums and some amens out there, I think, on that. What you love is not for what it is, but for what it does for you. And unfortunately, man, this works all the way into marriage, right? We end up choosing somebody to marry because we love how they made us feel. And when they stop making us feel that way anymore, it's hard to keep it going. Hence, 50% divorce rate in America, even in the church, right? Um, But this is not how God loves. See, God's love, the word agape is what we translate that from in a lot of the sections. But there's different words in Greek for love. And we have one word. So we love tacos and we love our kids. Very different, right? But we do. I love you know, Sunlit Sunlit Cruises and I love my wife. It's very different feelings, emotions, actions. But the agape love of God is always shown by what it does. It's always shown by what it does. Yeah? What did you say? Yep, yep, number one, love. God's love is always shown by what it does. And it's not dependent on what the object of that love does in return. God's love grieves because we lost something and not because he lost something. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah cuz he wasn't thrown off when you didn't love him back. While we were still sinners God, right? Loved us so much that he died for us. While we were still sinners. Like Jesus died for the guys that were killing him. Blows your mind. You and I wouldn't do that. Not unless we were so filled with the Holy Spirit, but right? it's happened. You have stories of believers who were so filled with God's love and his spirit that they actually were asking for forgiveness for the people who killed them while they were dying. But that was not a human thing. That was a God in them thing. And I'm presenting to you that we need to love one another with that same superhuman ability, right? Beyond the human ability, driven by the Holy Spirit, that we can love one another in an unconditional way. Here's a biblical good definition, right? 1 Corinthians 13, it might have been read at your wedding. Uh, It was read at mine. Love is patient. Love is kind. See, it's what it does, right? It's patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's, it's not proud. It does not dishonor others. That's the feel-good stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it flips it on its head right here. Listen to this. It's not self-seeking. It does not, it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, right? That's why God sometimes, because he's a right and holy God, is like, boom, correction. Boom, destruction. Boom, right? That, this is why bad things happen, because this is a fallen world in which God's got to bring to crumbles. Like, You're worried about the things in the world that you see on the news that are going to lead to our destruction? Yeah. Read the end of the Bible. That's, it's coming. If you're worried then I, th- I don't think you need to write your congressman as much as you need to get on your knees and ask God, right? Because this is how this is supposed to end. Like, try to save the environment, that's great. Recycle, whatever, throw away a straw, get a paper straw. Whatever you want to do, you feel convicted, that's great. But ultimately, what we're going to do is destroy this planet to the point where God comes, destroys it, recreates something new, and it won't be fallen this time. So when you watch that, just know, wow, God really is true and real, and powerful. It's really happening, right? So it keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. If you look at that, though, incorrectly, I might try to put that on you, to say, here's your report card to how you're doing. I mean, you could look at it like that, right? Are you in those relationships where you love somebody? Are you patient and kind and not self-seeking and not keeping a record of wrongs? That is, that is true, okay? Those, those are good. If you could be perfect, that's what you would do. So try to do that, right? All who practice righteousness have been born of him. This is a way you could practice righteousness. Take a look at this list with the ones that you love, sure, and try that. And when you fail, praise God hard because he forgives you for when you fail. But more importantly than that, this, that section of scripture should be used more for you to realize who God is. Rather than some kind of pressure-based tool to try to tell you how you have to be. See, so really I guess I could define love like this. Love is, is the set of emotions and behaviors, right? Because we have one word for all of these Love is a set of emotions and behaviors that arise from the value you see in another person or thing, which results in the service of that person or thing over the service of self. You desire and attempt to work towards their ultimate good. (laughs) Let me go back to that. Ultimate good, right? That's where it gets messy. This is where it gets messy. Like, what you want, right? Rhonda, you said it the carnality of it. We want what we want right now. What we need and what's good for us long term is not always what we want right now. I was cracking a joke about eating, like, tons of cheeseburgers at one sitting and how that wouldn't be healthy with you last week. And then I ate two cheeseburgers over this week, okay? but, but So it's, it's a joke. But the, the whole thing is you often do something in the short term for relief pleasure, avoid pain, coping mechanism, that long-term is not healthy for you. But what God's pushing you towards is long-term good, overall good. So when God corrects you, and when God lets circumstance test you or try you, it's not because he's not loving, it's because he is so loving. He wants you to be perfect because he's perfect. He wants you to grow. He wants you to become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. So how's that going, Jordan? Here, come on up. We come on up real quick? So here's what she got started in, in, in making this. And you'll kind of notice this is a finished result. If you're on the camera, you probably won't be able to see that or in the back. Here's what she's got going so far. So you'll see in this, this process of creation, right? show me how you're doing it. So you start with, you wrap it around, you go under, through, and back. Wow, I can't even keep up with that. But, but there is a, there's a precision to this, a focus, a love, a sacrifice of her time and fingers to make this happen. And she knows when it's finished what it will be. But in this process, there's a manipulation happening from the raw material of this, the manipulation, the twisting, the turning, the pushing, the pulling, the yanking, right? Anyone feel that? Yeah. The pushing, the turning, to create, to create in you a useful tool. But if I was just to take this and just light it on fire right now, would you be a little upset? Yeah, right? Why? It took time, it took time and energy, and you care about it, right? That's like my precious... I love you. Thank you for doing that. Here, take, take that. I gotta give her a hand. So there's a little picture. It's, it's not quite knitting, but but the psalmist in 139 wrote it like this, 139.13. 13, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I mean, this is personal. This is not like, you know, like th- thrown out from a spray gun. We're talking my fingers, knitting, every, oh, wow, if you study the human body, how magnificent and mysterious and crazy we are. And the fact that God knit us together in our mother's womb. If you've been a mother, all that movement and all that you felt taking part in that creating a life, I mean, that is intimate. More than any quilt you could ever make, more than any meal you could ever make, more than any building you could ever build. This God that created us, the creator of all things, loves you so much that he doesn't want to just throw you out. He doesn't. He will love the people that are thrown with Satan, right? Into eternal damnation away from God. He will love them. No different or less than he loves those who are saved. So I can tell you this without having to know which side of that equation you're on. I really can. I know that God loves you. I know whether you are yet still a sinner, or yet you've been redeemed by Jesus, that God still loves you based on what he's written. And he says, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. There's that metaphor back. We are called Children of God. That's from verse one. Verse two says, Beloved, we are God's children now. What do we know about children and dads? What do we know about their relationship? Help me out. It's priceless? Yeah. It's tender? It's real? It's what? I'm sorry? Provision and protection. It overcomes a lot of flaws. Daddies are superheroes when you're little. What's that? Dedication. Dedication. Yeah. What else? I mean, come on, you're like, look at my princess. Wow, she's beautiful. That's what a dad sees. So God, when he looks at will and the mess that I am, is look at my son. Look at my son. Cleanse, right? Pleased? Like, that father, it's just like, man, anyone's son disappointed him? Anyone still love that son like crazy? Mother's father is the same way, right? Anyone's daughter disappoint him? Anyone's mom disappoint him? You still love her, right? Anyone's dad disappoint him? You still love him? I mean, there's a relationship here that even a marriage, a friendship can never touch. Why? Because you were created, by that person because you share the very genetic code or you've been adopted and your name has been given. And when that thing happens, it's different than anything else. And so you and I are called children of God. Romans 8, 14, for those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. Are you led by the spirit of God? Yeah, you're a child of God. I don't know. Let's get this taken care of then. Let's, let's, let's take this seriously. Let's, let's consider what it is to worship God in spirit and truth. To be someone led by the Spirit so you can be called a child of God. because It is an awesome place to be. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought you up. i sorry, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. That we are children of God. It's that awesome dance that I'm watching in people, right? God created in me a spirit, in the Holy Spirit that he gives to live in me. I become the dwelling place of God, and it is a battle with my flesh, because my body is not going out without fighting. But I know that I'm his child. I know that he loves me, and even though I've made those mistakes, I can be recreated. I can be washed and renewed, right? As Titus says, by the Holy Spirit and the renewal of myself. The rebirth See, now if we're children, then we're heirs. What do we inherit? Kingdom of God? Yeah, right? What is it? Yes, he's glad to give it to us. I mean, we inherit, right? Like, oh, just, I mean, you look at the scripture of Jesus and the people, the things that God did, the blessings that God did. I mean, this is what it looks like. You can't limit it with with, tan, with physical terms. But I can tell you, the inheritance of the kingdom of God doesn't just happen after you die. It happens now. Like, somebody's got to testify to you guys some goodness. You know, when I became a pastor, I'll tell this story a thousand times. Like, I took half the income that my family had. Okay? Half the income. To do that, I got more blessing. My house looks better than it did before. We fixed a bunch of stuff. I have dependable cars. My kids are well clothed and fed. Look, I'm well fed. I keep getting better looking. I don't know how this is happening, Chris. I don't know. But God blesses that. Yes, you know what, the other day, like my son's in a club, an FFA club. And they were doing a competition. They did really well. Was it UPS or FedEx? I want to say the right. FedEx shows up, there's a bag. In that bag is some pimped out FFA jacket for my son. Someone bought it for him. Like one of his teachers or something. Like like God doesn't provide. God does provide. I mean, I can't depend on that, but someone needs to tell you that happens because so many of us are holding out. So many of us are holding out. Like we're holding back because we don't get God's love, so we don't depend on God's love. We won't take God's love, so we don't depend on God's love. We don't live like if God doesn't come through, we're screwed. And when things go bad, that God's in it. And this is all part of the process. Verse 2 says this, What we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. The reality of the Christian life is a lot of this, guys, is, is honestly still a mystery. Like, you're unfinished, you don't really know, and we want to argue about that. And churches are famous for this. I think this, I think this. Well, did it specifically and explicitly say in the written records that you have that it's this way? Well, no, but... And you argue, and you divide, and you don't love. Why? So that in the end, when you get through Heaven's Gate, you can be like, I was right, you were wrong, Billy. Billy. No, that's not going to happen. When he appears, fullness will come. We'll know. We'll be like, oh. I mean, can you imagine? Everyone you're going to meet in heaven's going to have a red mark on their forehead because you're going to be like, oh, gosh, right? Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Not really. We're probably going to be like on our face. Like, I can't believe that. But, but the fullness is going to come. The protection is going to come. So in the meantime, guys, when we do this together, then we get these glimpses. We're like, ooh, that's what it's going to be like, right? Because it happens. Like we have this moment with God and, and, and we're, we're changing and becoming what we're going to become. And if we don't celebrate those things, then this gets very sad. See, our hope is that God loves us and shows us mercy and kindness in order that we would walk away from what we were doing outside of him and walk towards him instead. You like steps? Step one? Wrestle with it. Wrestle with the truth that God loves you. Wrestle with it. Consider it. I heard a Bible teacher say this, you know, like you, you're presented some kind of discovery. So here's a discovery for you. This might, this might have heard this a thousand times, but consider it a new way. Every one of you, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, I would challenge you to do this. Consider this truth that God loves you unconditionally. You take this discovery. Yeah? You have something to say? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. So, what he said is, he said, so often our love comes out of obligation. And so once again, we apply all these attributes of us to God, right? So we figure God loves out of obligation. But that's not why God loves. God loves because that's who he is. That's who he is. And if we could get that, even a little bit more by a little bit more, then we would, we would love him more. So that's the first thing. Here's the discovery. God, God loves you unconditionally. Now you take that, and you, you focus on it. The word could be meditate. You, you consider it. Like, seriously consider it. Spend some time. And that's why this never saves anybody. I'm glad that we're here. But if you do nothing outside of this about God, and time with the Lord, in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get anywhere. It'll be Christian daycare. We'll all be spiritual babies, whining and complaining because the music isn't what we like and the coffee's not warm enough and -and so-and-so said boo to me and they all tell the pastor. And so then your pastors burn out every three to five years and this is America. Welcome. What if we could break that crap? What if we could be a people that take this discovery, God loves you. He is kind to you. He shows you mercy. What if you take that and you really chew on it? And then and then when you when you chew on it, you're going to have this revelation, right? It's going to break through. You're going to have this understanding. And then once you have that understanding, guess what happens? Worship. Wow, you're God and I'm not. You're God and I'm not. And somebody in the you're God and I'm not mind frame, they start doing all that stuff. They start to be more peaceful and have more mercy. They don't have to try to be merciful. They don't have to try to be, I'm so peaceful. I'm so spiritual, Connor. I'm just the chillest dude ever, man. Like, no, they become this and they're weird and the world wants to know how come they're weird awesome. And then you don't have to have an evangelism gimmick, right? All of a sudden, that dude, your life is like, Josh, you're what in the world? Why are you so weird? Well, because Jesus, that's an awesome weird. Like, I want to know more about this. Like, this is the way it worked. There was that and then having tons of babies. That was the other Jews trick, too. Tons of babies, right? And then, like, have cute girls and sons. So they marry them and come into your religion. It's, it's, it's an age-old trick. But other than that, right, how you grow your faith is you, you're weird awesome because the Spirit lives in you. But we don't talk about that enough because we want to get too intellectual. We want to debate creation and this. Okay, that's all fine and dandy. We want to talk about ethereal. God loves me. Spirit slay me, right? All that, okay, cool. But at the end, God loves you so much that you're not afraid and you go out and love does what it does. Agape love always demonstrates itself in what you do. Our hope is that God loves us and shows us mercy and kindness in order that we would walk away from what we were doing outside of him, and walk towards him. Walk towards him. No tricks or gimmicks. What what we're going to do is, praise team's going to come on up. And what I want you to do is this. Consider this. Consider how great the Father's love is for us. If you do that, what what would come out of that? What are some things you think could come out of that? What's that? Transformation. You become totally different, right? You start becoming different. You're washing and renewed by the washing of the Holy Spirit, right? What else? A new look on life, right? Yeah. You love him more and you love other people more. I feel like Jesus said that was the most important thing we could do. Actually, I know that Jesus said that, right? and then it becomes possible, it becomes possible. yeah share you'd share the gospel more because you'd be it, right? You'd be the gospel, the good news, walking around, yeah yeah, I mean, I mean, you could have some fun with it, right? as a coach, I'd see that. I coach kids, and you'd see the ones where. There was like some protection, some stability at home. And then the ones, you could almost pick them out. You know, and the ones that maybe lived in more turmoil and fear just by how they carried themselves. And so I think, how come Christians aren't more like that too? Like, wow, that guy is just something. That girl, there's just something. They're, they got, I know who their dad is. How great the father's love for us. Because I, I don't do like an altar call like the tradition I come from, no, no against, but, but I would say it, I would be wrong if I didn't tell you. Maybe today you like never accepted God's love or you did it when you were seven and you didn't know what you were doing. And now you're like, dang, my life needs this. I would be honored if you'd come share that with me. I could pray with you. We could talk about what it is to be a worshiper Of Jesus and what it is to follow him and how following him um, is walking in the spirit and that those who walk by the spirit are children of God that's right come see me come pray Wayne and Rhonda in the back there they would love I mean look at that epic beard you want to pray with a guy like that man that's good right there Everybody, everybody, that's good. I mean, come on. I'm tired of being the holy guy up front, the holy guy, all of you who came in today, who walk in the Spirit. So why don't we utilize that? Why don't we be brothers and sisters in Christ? Why don't we spur one another on to love and good works? That's the reason why we get together. But yeah, if you're not part of that, you should be. You should be. If you need prayers and you're not ready for it right now, there's prayer request cards in there. Those could come; those will come to me. I could pray for you. You could write that down and put it in the offering baskets. If you're visiting with us, guys, we would love for you to keep coming back. I mean, we're just one brand of crazies in this place, and there's plenty of them. Nothing against them, but we, we kind of like our brand of crazy. So let's pray, um, and then we'll, we'll sing some more praises to God. Okay. Lord Jesus, it's just about you. Father God, it's about you. Holy Spirit, it's about you. Man, I don't, I don't know all the answers, but I know you. I'm your son. We often doubt it because I make a lot of mistakes, but I know that you keep reminding me I'm your son. So God, we just pray, uh, Holy Spirit, that you just come and that you would just, just speak this to us, Lord. Speak this to us. Speak this around us and over us and through us, Lord, that how great the Father's love for us. How great the Father's love for us. How great the Father's love for us. And we just say, hallelujah. Thank you. Jesus, we come in your name, in your power, in your authority, because you are on the throne. So when life picks us up, we praise you. When life kicks us in the teeth, we praise you, because we know that you are God and we are not. Please take every word of these songs, every prayer offered here is just worship. Praise to the one true God. Amen.